message is titled Overcoming the Evil One, and, and I can't really begin without thinking about the big context. Our passage is Romans 12, but the big, bigger context is we have been studying Romans, and we can think about Romans chapters 1 through 3 as because of sin, all of mankind lacks the righteousness of God. Romans 4 and 5 is we receive the, the righteousness of God by faith. Romans 6 through 8, we are transformed from that of being a sinner to being a child of God's righteousness. And the Romans 9 through 11 is all about God's saving act of righteousness for his chosen people. And now that brings us to Romans 12 through 16, where we are to live as obedient children of faith, living out the righteousness of God. So now in our context, Romans 12, 17 through 21, we're going to see that even in the face of evil, righteous living means that we do not repay evil for evil, but instead righteous living means seeking to do good, even going so far as to meet the physical or emotional needs of your enemy. Let's read this together. Um, I'll read it out loud. Just I'll invite you to quietly um, look at your Bible or at the text on the wall. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by, do, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. When I first approached this text, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe we can make it simple. Maybe we can just talk about what it is to do righteous living at home with our family, with our kids, because that would be a nice calling and a good message from the Director of Children and Family Ministry. But even as we get started in verse 17, we are to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So it's righteous living, not just for those who we would choose to do it, but it's righteous living even for those who don't think, don't act, and don't respond to the laws that we hold near and dear. So righteous living means when we act out in faith, we are to live as peacemakers of God through even to people who would hate us. In this lifetime, we are going to be in situations where evil is directed right at us. Someone can give you a verbal threat. 
Someone can give you a hand gesture as they're driving the car beside you. I can guarantee you that someone is going to be a bully. In your school, you are going to face evil. You might be sitting here as a victim of crime, robbery, theft. You might be sitting here as someone who is a victim of emotional abuse by someone who was supposed to love you. So what does it mean to offer peace even to your enemies? This message is important because in the moment when someone is offering you evil, your natural response is not to offer them something nice. Your natural response is not to just simply zip it and walk away. It takes a very strong character to be able to remember what you decided to do today when someone offers you something evil. When evil does come, know that you will be caught off guard. Evil exists in this world and you cannot hide from it, nor are you exempt from its effects upon you. Um, many years ago, I had a friend um, in Roseville, California. He was a bivocational church planter, which means that he worked a few days during the week. He actually worked for a printing company. Um, this friend of mine, uh, his name is Wade. Actually, I'm blanking on his last name right now, but Wade, um, he worked hard in the community and he had a very nice employer. Um, but he always tried to bring people to his house. What was he doing? He was really wanted to plant a church. There was no building that he had. So his house was a place of meeting. So people would come sometimes on Sunday mornings. In fact, most of the time on Sunday mornings. Sometimes during the middle of the week. And he would tell me of his interactions with his neighbor who lived right across the street from him. When people would come and gather, they would park on the street. And then the neighbor would get upset. Why? Well, the neighbor, he liked to back down the driveway, and apparently, according to the neighbor, the road was kind of, the street was kind of narrow, and when he backed down, he had, it was just a trouble. So he had to back down, go forward, back down, and then pull out. Well, the neighbor hated it, and the neighbor took it out on my friend, the pastor, but also upon anybody who decided to park there. So you can imagine the inevitable. My friend, who's trying to be a church planner, people would park right in front of his house, and then the neighbor would come out seeing that, oh yeah, the innocent bystander, <laughs> that Christian, was coming out, going to the car, and then the neighbor would come out and hurl insults at this innocent bystander who's just parking in the streets. I've had many conversations with that pastor. And how frustrated Wayne felt. Because he's trying to do the right thing. And these people were innocent. You can imagine the frustration he felt. Um, okay, so I wasn't going to give you the, the ending. But I know that I'm going to go home and my wife is going to ask me, so what happened? All right. 
Here's what happened. He moved. <laughs> Sorry, it's not much of an illustration in terms of the dramatic conclusion. He moved. We want our words to work. We want to know what to do and what is the right response. But this morning, sometimes my words fail to invoke a proper response in the world around us. And the reason is this. That evil exists in this world. The author and perfecter of evil is not interested in making peace with you. I will give you some tools for your tool belt. But the reality is, is that the world hated Jesus. And the world will hate those who call themselves his disciples. Now, what is it that uh, you'll find on TV with regards to um, how we respond to people who are evil? What is it if you turn on the news, what will the news say? Don't get mad. Get even. But Paul says not to respond to evil with more evil. In fact, Paul states this prohibition three different times in three different ways. If I could have the passage up on the board again, you'll see it in verse 17. Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. In verse 19, Never avenge yourselves. Again, a prohibition against how you might respond to evil. And verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. There it is, three different times, three different ways. This prohibition is not a new commandment, but rather a very familiar directive. Paul's words are taken from Deuteronomy 32 and Proverbs chapter 20. Paul himself was a man who studied and applied the Old Testament. He knew it better than most Christians and most Jews. Paul knew these words. So when he wrote them out, he knew exactly what he was writing. He knew what evil was. And he was telling the people in Rome... When evil comes your way, and it will, don't repay evil with evil. Facts should also be familiar because Jesus himself told us these words. Jesus said, we are to pray for our enemies. In Matthew 5, he added, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other as well. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And you might ask, why shouldn't we take revenge on someone who does evil? If that's our natural response, why shouldn't we actually do it? Well, I have three reasons. One, most people, that is Christians and non-Christians, would agree that revenge is not profitable. Revenge does not promote peace, but incites more evil. We have um, an old illustration in our house. 
we would sometimes talk about uh, spiral up or spiral down. So when a family comes together and they're spiraling up, there's words of affection, words of encouragement that are offered. And those words are contagious. When you say something that is genuine or loving to someone else, it sits within their heart and it allows them to feed on that and then to offer that word of love or affection, encouragement to someone else spiraling up. And in a similar manner, we would also mention that spiraling down occurs. If you repay someone evil or take revenge, then it incites this spiraling down effect. The world would generally agree that revenge solves absolutely nothing. And that brings me to my second reason. Revenge, or vengeance, is a task which belongs only to the Lord. Look again at verse 19. Look, I'm keeping your fingers busy. Thank you, sir. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. On our own, you and I are not capable of offering perfect justice. When we think about a scenario that might happen between two other people, we are not perfect judges and can say, well, this was appropriate, this was not appropriate. How much more are we hampered when in the face of evil can we remove ourselves and act as a righteous judge and discern what is the appropriate thing to say or discern what the appropriate countermeasures. We are not capable, and so vengeance belongs to the Lord, who alone is omnipotent, omniscient, but also merciful. In his justice, God alone now knows how to apportion mercy. We don't have that ability. So let's not take up the cloak of justice and offer that to someone as we would like to offer revenge. My third point is that revenge actually gives oneself over to evil. Looking at verse 21 again, Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if we who receive evil then offer evil to someone else, we are actually participating in that evil. And Paul says, do not over be overcome by it. The reason? We are ambassadors for Christ to live out as children of God's righteousness. So if we embody that evil, then actually what we are doing is we are holding on to sin. This is contrary to Scripture elsewhere. 
2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, we are to flee evil. In Colossians 3, we are to put to death our sinful nature. And Romans 6 reminds us that our old self, that is our sinful nature, was crucified with Jesus in order that we would not be enslaved to sin. And so, as difficult it is, as it is, it is always wrong to respond to evil with more evil. Sometimes the context eludes us. But this is very clear. You've heard the name. But also, Paul gives us something that's more positive, an affirmation. Thank you for leaving this up. Paul gives us what our right response is to be, even as we face evil. Look again at verse 17. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, live peaceably with all. Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If thirsty, give him something to drink. And 21, overcome evil with good. Again, I would emphasize that this is not our natural reaction. Our natural reaction is, he hit me, and I'm going to hit him back. But to avoid the temptation to do evil requires submission to the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we usually do have a little water up here, and today I have it up here, well, one, if I cough, but two, I also have it as an illustration. If I take off the lid, you'll know that there's water in it. And if it's in the hands of someone who's shaking, the water's going to splatter all over the place. So my illustration is this. When evil comes, don't try to hold it with your own hands because things are going to get in your way and you are going to start reacting in a way that it just gets messy. The stuff that's inside is natural. And if you try to hold on to it without yielding it to the Holy Spirit, without giving it over to God, it's just going to get messy and get all over the place. So what do we do? We can't bottle it up and say, I won't have to worry now. If I just bottle up all that stuff that's inside of me, then everything will be okay. Well, no, it's not, it doesn't work that way. The stuff that we have inside of us needs to be given over to the Holy Spirit who does hold us together. I do have another illustration and a type of confession. It was just, well, I think just a couple of weeks ago. I happened to uh, have a meeting with um, someone who uh, was not evil and he did not hurl insults at me, but he represented some people who did a lot of evil to me. And I went into the meeting thinking, okay, I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm not going to say anything wrong. But I wish I had done things different. Because I came home like this. And I came home shaking. 
And I came home very upset, and I never, just all I did during that meeting was just bottle it up. And I come home, and my wife, in a very loving way, said a few things that were true, but guess what happened? Now I'm home. Now I'm in a place where I can just let it go. And the top was ready to go, baby, and I let it all out. It's embarrassing. It really is. Pastor Jordan has it. Um, hired me to be a spiritual authority. And I blow it. I think all I have to do is this. In the face of evil. And I blow it. My wife or my children. They don't deserve the evil that would come out of me. So I, I have apologized to my wife, but even to my community, no. That I'm honest and broken with you. I might sound like I have the answers, but I don't. I need Jesus. I need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Just as you do. We're more of a hospital than a people that have it right. So what does it look like? How do we be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? With good intentions, we can go into that meeting knowing that it's going to be awful. But even after, it says, yielding to God. The pain that I have is real, and God, you know it. The anger that is inside of me is real, God, and you know it. I can't hide from evil. And the stuff that's inside of me, God, is not hidden from you. So let's do something about this together. I think it also is helpful to be honest with your spouse before you come home. What did happen? I wish I had done that. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote a very peculiar couple of verses or sentences. Again, C.S. Lewis. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close or even into the thing that has them. What is the source of life abundant? The source, source of life abundant is the Holy Spirit. Our response to evil is to refrain from putting more wood onto that fire. The way to do that is to remain connected to that perfect peace. 
Why do we keep from doing evil? We do this, well, one, for ourselves. Because we don't want to have it. We are called to be the children of God and to reflect His righteousness. And two, we don't want to respond to evil with evil because we're called to love our enemies. But three, we're also to avoid evil because there are people that are quietly watching and observing. People know if you're that homeschooling Christian family, they know that. People know if you're that one that's going to seminary, studying to be a pastor, they know it. They're watching. <laughs> Why don't we respond? Because the days are short and the time is urgent. When Paul says that what we should do needs to be honorable in the sight of all, he is mindful that what we do and say in this world is a living testimony to people who are watching every day. Being present in the moment, even as someone does evil towards us, means that we are being intentional. Intentional to think about our Christian witness. Intentional to respond in a Christ-like manner. Now, we're going to take a quick little side break. Hopefully by now, you've been thinking of a time when someone did evil toward you. Someone at work. Someone at your school. Someone on the road. Hopefully by now, you've already thought of that time. Were you always perfect? Or maybe there was a time when you responded in anger. Well, now what? Now what? Someone did something bad and you responded in anger. So now what? Well, humble yourself. Go to that person and ask for forgiveness. If they're not a Christian, that's okay. If they are a Christian, it's the same thing. Humble yourself. Go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Do not go to that person with an agenda. What do I mean? Don't go to that person with the intention of saying, oh, I'm going to win them to Christ now. And then say something like, uh, you know, I was really not so nice the other day, but God convicted me that I wasn't right and I wasn't nice, so uh, I'm saying I'm sorry. No! That's an agenda. Don't go thinking that you're going to get them to change their evil. Don't go with the intention of trying to convert them. Go in humility, saying, I'm sorry. I really blew it. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. How can you walk the walk and Talk to talk, recognizing where they're at. Paul said, and Jesus said, that if they have need, if your enemy has need, meet them where their need is. If they're hungry, food. If they're thirsty, drink. 
It's not about going to someone and offering your agenda. It's about going to someone and recognizing their need before your need. How is that? That's the gospel. It's responding to the need of someone else and saying their need is more important than mine. I don't need for them to think that I'm right. I need to say, I'm sorry. Respond to their needs. I really want to promise each and every one of you that if you do what is right, that it will always result in peace. Sadly, that's not the case. Romans 12, 18, it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Guys, there are times when no matter what you do, the outcome is not gonna mean, oh, peace, guaranteed, no. Here's my example. When I was at a junior college, um, I was the leader of a Christian club at the campus. And I would have weekly meetings, I would gather with people, and occasionally there would be things that were in the local school newspaper. And one guy that worked for that newspaper, he loved to get quotes from me. I represented the Christian side for uh, this particular event that was going on. Sometimes it was an event that was happening in the community. Sometimes it was a national event. Sometimes it was a world event. You know, uh, abortion was one. So he would come to me, hey, Dean, you know, you're the leader of this Christian club. What do you think about this? And I would always try to be nice. I would always try to say the right thing. And guess what? He would always misquote me. <laughs> he would always just slam me. Those Christians, this is what they are. No, guys, I can't guarantee anything except that the world that we live in is evil. I really do have a three-part sermon here. A skilled orator would have taken my two-part sermon and been able to add a third, but I've got one final place that I need to get to before we are dismissed this Sunday. And my third part is this. Offering peace and love to someone who does you harm can only be done by someone who has been transformed by the gospel of peace. When I look at verses 17 through 21, I don't see that. Offering peace and love to someone who does you harm can only be done by someone who has been transformed by the gospel of peace. Where am I getting that? It comes from the man who wrote this letter. You guys are all being very quiet. Who wrote this letter? Paul. Paul wrote this letter. When I get a letter from my missionary who uh, is in Asia, my friend, I went to the college with him. I get his letter, and I am so excited to receive his letter. He tells me about things that are going on in his community, things that I need to be praying for. I am thrilled. 
And knowing that this is coming from Paul, we know that it's going to contain meat about righteous living for Christ. It's got all kinds of good things to say. Paul is amazing. We know it's going to be good. But guess what? Paul had another name. Who knows Paul's first name? I think I heard Calvin say it. Did Calvin say it? That's right, Calvin. Saul. Why is that important that the author of this book had a previous name? If you have your Bibles, I am going to invite you to open up your Bible to Acts chapter 6. If you have a Bible app on your phone, it's going to take me a while to get to all these points. So I'm going to invite you to open up um, your Bible app. Romans chapter 6. You know what this is about? It was a man of God. In fact, I can read this text. And Stephen, this man of God, full of grace and power, this is uh, verse 8, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was a man of God who was an active witness in that Jewish community. He was acting with the Holy Spirit and God was doing amazing things through him. Guess what? It angered the righteous leaders of that time. Those leaders were looking at what Stephen was doing and they became a little enraged with jealousy. Those leaders first questioned Stephen. They pulled him aside and they began to throw questions at him, a type of evil being hurled at him. But Stephen, being full of grace and the Holy Spirit, did not spill over with anger, but responded with truth and love. And so these leaders then brought Stephen before other council and more people because, you know, evil loves company. <laughs> and guess what they did? They took Stephen off to the side. And those religious leaders picked up stones and hurled evil at Stephen. What does Stephen do? Somehow, by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, Stephen was able to look up and see God seated on the throne and Christ standing at the right hand. Um, Josiah and I will often, like after a Sunday, we'll, it, it happens, I don't know how many times, maybe every second month, every third month, maybe even more frequently than that, we'll talk about, wow, the song matched whatever was being said at that, on that Sunday. And the song today, Josiah, was Turn Your Eyes to Jesus. When someone picks up stones and throws, and throws evil at you, turn your eyes towards Jesus. Turn now your page to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. 
and Saul approved of his execution. Stephen died at the hands of evil, and Saul stood there and approved. Go on down to verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Wait, that's Paul. <laughs> Paul, the one who knew the Old Testament really well, was able to respond with evil. We don't get it right. Even religious leaders don't get it right. What is your current pattern when someone does evil towards you? What is your pattern with your spouse and your children? If you've done someone wrong by doing evil, go and ask forgiveness. And seek ways to bless them. Meet them at their needs. Plan today, even for that future event, when evil comes your way, by being connected to that source of peace. Let's pray. Father God.